Welcome to episode 5, series 4 of Riff Raff News, and this week we'll be taking a look at the events in Ukraine and Russia and try and figure out what's really happening. And we're catching up with the COVID inquiry and what's been going on with regard to Boris's um, phones. So, Sean, I've been reflecting on the way the, the war is changing, if that's the right expression, in Ukraine, mm. as increased attacks make their way into Moscow. Yes. And um, the Russian border in general. Um, we've had further drone attacks on Moscow this week and an attack in Belgorod mm. region, uh, which is near quite near Kharkiv. Um, and supposed anti-Kremlin Russians fighting mm. alongside Ukrainians mounting these incursions into Russian territory, which appear to be sort of quick hit and out. Yeah. Uh, and this is all kind of strange. And the question is, what's really going on? Is it orchestrated mm. or is it just happening? And how much of this is to serve as a distraction uh, for the counter offensive, which we've heard so much about? And which, by the way, is, is, I would say, is probably a little bit overdue as, to all intents and purposes, uh, the summer window is relatively short mm. in Ukraine uh, and probably May to September maximum before the, the bad weather comes and make uh, tracks impassable yeah. for tanks and armoured vehicles. So it, I, I've got a question, really, uh, as to what do we think is is really going on so are these attacks just random and and executed by individuals or groups militias, of individuals who yeah. have the militias who yeah. have these resources yeah. which i think as we said on the previous pub when we looked at um uh, false flag events that, that that's unlikely because these drones are almost millions not they're not odd drones they're not small things like you buy in curries yeah uh, or, or is it part of a, a wider uh, espionage, um, <laughs> something going on? Um, what do you think? I th- well, I, I, I'm of the view that they're not, they're not, um, they're not just totally independent militias. I think they, are, it is an orchestrated campaign uh, mm. to the point where some of the munitions that were used in this um, uh, this cross-border incursion in the north. Um, some of the the vehicles were were American vehicles, Humvees, and, yeah. yeah, which have been supplied to the Ukrainian army. Mm. You don't just come across those, do you? If you're an no, if you're a, no. a, an independent militia, and I think I think part of what they're doing, the, the, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? To a degree, if we worked that out, then I would have thought most people would have done. But part of what they're doing, the Ukrainian government, is they want to be able to deny responsibility for whatever these guys are getting up to to a degree because some of the things that they're doing aren't things that they necessarily want connected with their mainstream activities you know there's there's this worry isn't there that they keep talking about and i can understand that that ironically it seems to be especially the americans now are concerned that the ukrainians don't overstep the mark in terms of attacking certainly uh, targets within russia itself um and and i think they're getting very concerned with regard to the fact that they now appear to be able to reach moscow with these um these drones and Mm. uh, um which is which is fine that's not fine but which is okay I would say with the Americans, all the while it remains drones. But if they start to use, you know, more dangerous munitions, or for that matter, if they start to load up these drones or get bigger drones with, um, with 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 bigger explosive power, and they start killing people in Moscow, then I think the some Americans will be getting cold feet, and some Europeans for that matter as well as to uh, as to what happens next. It's, it really is quite interesting. I was trying to explore it the other day in my own head and I was thinking it, it's almost, um, uh, it's almost a, a, a mirror counter image of what, um, what Putin did in 2014. You know, the little green men, you remember, that just appeared out of nowhere yeah. and were yeah. running around. They're nothing to do with us. And that, 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 there's an element of that involved here, I think, with the... Well, the quote from Ukraine was they, they're not directly 
involved mm. on the most recent um, drone attack. But but you have to you have to make some assumptions, don't you? We've discussed on the pod before the amount of collateral that's been provided, particularly mm. tanks, armoured vehicles, support vehicles, and they were sort of ninety seven percent in place when we last spoke about that. So mm. they're there. They've got their troops, um, volunteers, I suppose, sort of conscripts, but they've been trained by um, army professionals of, of several nations, so, so they're there. They've got a degree of air support. They've been given increased sort of missile power. We spoke about the Storm Shadow missiles mm. the other day. Um, they've got intelligence, obviously, supplied by the West. So, so if you have to assume that the assets are in place and therefore my logic says that what's going on at the moment is a distraction technique to mm. some extent by mounting these incursions it forces um, Russia to at least try and support the border more mm. their own border because that that's they've got to it's the first duty of government is to protect the people yeah. but also in terms of Putin I would imagine his pride ego reputation whatever you want to call it so it it does feel that the counter offensive is coming but but I'm just concerned about the short window uh, because by all accounts the Russians are extremely well dug in mm. all the obvious routes are deeply deeply mined Mm. So making progress is going to be difficult. So, yeah, all uh, sorts of different, yeah, all sorts of yeah. different stories coming out, isn't there? There was a story mm. last week from um, one of the Ukrainian officials who was saying that the, 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 the West have got it wrong to a degree, in that the offensive is is multi pronged. It's not just military. It's um, diplomatic. It's um, uh, psychological. It, it's uh, that it's not because I think we're all okay. sitting back and expecting a, a a push almost as we used to call it, wasn't it? Like a, 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 a what, what was the um, something and all the um, shock and shock all, and all, shock and all the, yeah, the, the Iraqi Gulf. thing. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be air driven, obviously, but I think we're all expecting to wake up one day and find that. Loads of tanks and, and, and yeah. troops and what have you have invaded one particular area. I'm not sure that's going to happen. And I don't, Unlikely, because yeah. they, yeah, they, they could be sitting ducks, couldn't they? Yeah. So, And I think there must be a huge amount of trepidation in Kiev at the moment as yeah. to, even if they feel that they've got, they've only got one, you know, everybody's saying they've only got one shot at this, if you like. Yes. And if they don't get it right, then, then they they blown it really um and i don't know where where it all goes from there so you they must have a plan but but what it is is remains to be seen i, I don't know um i like the observation i think it was our our friend um who's the wagner group guy is it Prigozhin? Oh, yeah Prigozhin, yeah who said uh who said i thought one of the objectives of the special military operation was to demilitarize Ukraine. He said, "Well, that's gone well. <laughs> it never, they've never had so much military <laughs> and uh, ordnance and I, equipment." I never quite work out whether whether because there's so much, isn't there, in this sort of game that you just think that um, who's saying what for what particular purpose? For but he's in a yeah. he's in a. a um, an argument now with the Chechens, isn't he? I don't know whether you've heard the, the, no, the latest heard overnight. The latest, they, no. They've told him, effectively, they said, you're a big mouth, keep your mouth shut and what have you. And one of his top generals has said, um, has, has fired back and said, you know, we'll, we'll say what we like and we're on the front line, you're sitting somewhere. Away. And apparently there are Chechen, um, there's, a, there's a Chechen group now that have that have moved up to the border that are now involved in in operations as such so there's all these different power plays going on and i'm not sure whether it's to use what you want i'm not sure it's being orchestrated or whether they are just firing away at, at different levels at different things mm. Prigozhin's just a funny character isn't he? he's called the um 
he was called Putin's chef, wasn't he? Chef, he, he used was. to provide his meals, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just, he doesn't care, does he? He's sort of got, I suppose if you've got um, a, a, a group made up of people who are ex-convicts who are around you to protect you, you're probably in quite a good position to say, to say what you want. Well, he's probably one of the few, if not the only one, who could get away with it. But, mm. uh, but there we are. So we'll, we'll obviously have to watch what happens, but... And I, I get your point about this counteroffensive not necessarily being a huge military operation, but it does look as if, in my opinion, as some of these things are distraction techniques mm. for something else, whatever that might be. We've got the um, the COVID inquiry that's um, causing a few problems for government at the moment, Guy. I don't know whether you've caught any of that. I have, yeah, very on. interesting. Um, headed by a lady called Baroness Hallett. Um, uh, she's very respected, former appeal court judge who was the coroner in the inquest into the uh, 7th of July terror attacks in London. So she's got a lot of form in dealing with these sort of... Uh, events the um covid inquiry itself was created by boris johnson in in may 2021 uh to examine the decisions that were made during the pandemic and what we can learn from them going forward because everybody's talking about the fact that we might at some point be facing another pandemic of some description or something of a similar nature in 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 the near future so they want to make sure that they've um, covered all their bases so the the problem that we've got at the moment is that the, the remit of this committee is quite expansive. It, it, can, it can effectively order people to appear before it. It can order people to release documentation. And failure to do so can result in um, fines. It can even result in a custodial sentence. So it's got quite, you know, this is historically set. Um, it's got quite a lot of quite a lot of power, and we're we're in a position now where it was due to start its second stage or its first stage of investigations were due to start on on the thirteenth of June. It actually opened on twenty first of July last year. I'm not sure what they've been doing between now and then, but the the first stage of investigations was due to start on the thirteenth of June in London. And they were due to interview such characters as David Cameron, George Osborne, Jeremy Hunt, to have a look at the background to how well prepared we were for the pandemic when it came along and what we'd done. So there's, I would guess there's a bit of research that's been done there in the intervening period. They've got their own YouTube channel, so you'll be able to watch all this streamed live if you've got a... <laughs> quite a period of time to spare because they think it will go on till 2027 oh, okay. the inquiry itself um, I was watching Proof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was watching um, uh, Question Time last night they had Chris Patton on there oh the Hong Kong guy yeah and he was very uh, illuminating and there was there was talk about apparently that you can pull out segments if you're doing an inquiry like this and have them report earlier so, for example, you could take the treatment of care homes and, and have that segment report earlier rather than wait for the overall okay. conclusion well, of the sense. inquiry. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the reference, it, it's covering every significant aspect of the pandemic, including the use of lockdowns, protecting vulnerable people, the test and trace programme, mm. the safeguarding of public funds. And, 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 and this is quite, what's quite interesting, the use of communication including WhatsApp messaging for policy formulation. Okay. Now, now, this is where we are at the moment, I think, because um, you'll you remember that um, Boris Johnson uh, has obviously got to appear before this committee and Rishi Sunak quite generously allowed him to use the Cabinet Office to search through documentation that was held in the cabinet office um, for his defence when he went to appear before this committee which obviously hasn't happened yet that was the the issue at the time uh, was when these people these civil servants found issues with regard to what amount to possibly up to 17 
private meetings that took place at Checkers during lockdowns, and that information was then passed to to the police for them to investigate further. Right. That, that's on a separate track, but on the same on the same in the same context, Lady Hallett wants all of the WhatsApp messages, all of the diaries. Uh, and all of the information that is to hand that comes out of any minister or any official who had any dealings with the issues that I've just spoken about, you know, the, okay. the lockdowns and anything to do with the pandemic. So, where are we now? We're in a position now where the Cabinet Office have said they'd be happy to provide the information, but they'll decide what they feel is relevant they'll send that stuff that they feel is relevant with redactions in in that information for things that they don't feel fit into what she needs to know their argument is that there's stuff in these especially in the whatsapp messages that is private and isn't relevant to to the pandemic okay she's saying which is the precedent has been set in this regard that um She'll have all the information unredacted, thank you very much, and I'll be making decisions as to what I think is relevant and and what isn't relevant. Okay, on the sidelines of this, of course, you've got Boris Johnson, who is was the Prime Minister at the time. His messages and his documentation and his diaries would appear to be most relevant altogether. And there's some doubt as to where these diaries and these messages were held. At one point, the Cabinet Office was suggesting that they had all this information, but it would appear now that Boris Johnson has kept most of this at, at home. not quite sure how this works. Information that is of a sensitive nature is being shipped around private premises, but we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, and <laughs> and he, he said... Um, he said that um, he's happy to hand over all this information in, in effect has done so direct to the committee rather than through the cabinet office in the meantime are you keeping up with this yeah in, in, in the meantime yeah. <laughs> in the meantime the, the prime minister through the cabinet office instead of providing the information that they were duty bound to by four o'clock yesterday afternoon have taken the whole thing to judicial reviews have taken their own committee effectively and lady hallett to court um everybody seems to be suggesting that they don't stand the cat in hell's chance of winning at court but their argument is that they don't want this to set a precedent for what happens in the future and and they don't want private information that isn't relevant to the to, to the bearing in mind that because this information is being provided to lady hallett it isn't going into the public domain. She she will, in theory, look through it and decide what's relevant and what can go into the public domain and what can't. But um, the only the only thing that Boris Johnson hasn't handed over is a phone. <laughs> it's a phone, a mobile phone that supposedly he has been told by. Um, the secret services that he should never it's all very um it's all very mission impossible should never switch on again i don't know whether the russians are listening or, or whoever but it, it's a security risk and he should never switch that on again um he's now taking advice as to whether the cabinet office can s switch it on again or not but that particular phone holds all the information with regard to the lockdowns and the pandemic prior to 2021. So all of the lockdowns and all of the most relevant information that this committee could want. So um, you're up to date on that. You've got, you, it's a bit like that. Do you remember soap? Yes, <laughs> yes. I do remember soap, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the story so far. So wow. unentangling this, um, I, I, there are a number of questions to ask. Um, and 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 I can, I mean, I've I've written down a number of questions because I I just think, um, why does the prime minister want to restrict access? Why why would? What's your opinion on that? What would be well, your view on that? So let's let's first of all lend some support to the right to protect people's privacy, 
uh, particularly with WhatsApp messages, which are by definition somewhat informal. We talked about that this week, mm. uh, last week, sorry. And you might say things in a WhatsApp group um, casually, uh, which you wouldn't expect to be published later. And I have some sympathy for that, these sort of informal communications that you have to allow. And in the old days, that would have been done at the water cooler mm. or in the corridor or in a coffee break. But these days, WhatsApp is used as that. So I've got a bit of sympathy there. And therefore, that supports the, the government's argument that, you know, you wouldn't want to set a precedent for the future. But then, of course, the, the little devil in me starts to say, <laughs> well, what is it that the cabinet, cabinet office know? Because they've obviously got mm. the flow of the WhatsApp messages, their end, yeah. that they were, are really worried about. And if I'm honest, I'm thinking it's more to do with that than it is the former. Yes. So um, whether that's um, Rishi, whether that's Hancock, or what the experts, the scientists were saying, et cetera, et cetera. Because there's going to be points where the scientists have said you should do this and the politicians have said not on my mm. Nelly. Mm. And and if I recall correctly, um, Rishi, as you'd expect, because his job at the time was Chancellor of the Exchequer, the economy, the balance sheet of the country, mm. he was very reluctant to uh, have extended lockdowns, new lockdowns, because uh, he was worried, quite rightly, about the balance sheet of the country. Um, mm. And that might just be a bad look in a cold WhatsApp message, mightn't it? And that's all yeah. supposition, so I've got no no background to that, but I just sort of put myself in his shoes. Well, mm. there was, there was because I've been looking at... Was that question one? Sorry. I've been looking at some of the WhatsApp messages that have been released over the last year or so. Um, as a result, just to see how this flavouring right. might might, um, and of course, what you were talking about, um, Rishi, the the Hancock WhatsApp messages were released to Isabel um, Oakshot, Oakshot yeah. to, to to help him write that book. She was a faithful, loyal servant for Hancock, wasn't she? Um, but some some of the <laughs> I haven't seen her since. Actually, but, uh, <laughs> one of the particular messages that the WhatsApp messages that he was talking to uh, uh, Hancock was talking talking to one of his other colleagues, was talking about Rishi Sunak's um, Eat Out to Help Out. Do you remember Eat Out to Help Out? I do. I used it quite a lot. I thought Did it was you? brilliant. Well, yeah. apparently uh, Hancock in these WhatsApp messages was saying that, that he, he was calling it Eat Out to Spread the Virus. <laughs> right, right. So there, there, there's there's issues there. And, and of course, the other one that, that I quite like was, you remember... Um, WhatsApp messages that were released into the public domain when when um, when now Sir Gavin Williamson didn't get invited to uh, the Queen's funeral. Do you yeah. remember those? Um, yeah. There was a uh, WhatsApp message. Uh, Sir Gavin told then Chief Whip Wendy Morton it was very poor. He hadn't been invited to the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. That she was showing. Fuck all interest in pulling things together, and you fuck all over us. So right. these are these are sort of the exchanges that um, mm. may be part of the um, yeah. part of the problem with with releasing yeah. as they perceive it releasing. The, but I would I would call into question. I mean, that, as you say, that's the first question. I would call into question. You know, when I don't know if you mentioned this on the pod last week, but when you and I used to work in business. The, 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 one of the first rules of business was you never put in writing what you don't yeah. want to appear I, at any point in the future. I, I think, but, but WhatsApp is now such a, regarded as such as an informal channel, and I think it's a wake-up call mm. to, and you're absolutely right, a number of times I, I would tell people that because um, the stuff people would write down would be just unbelievable, and that was in emails. Mm. Uh, so you've got to imagine that appearing in a newspaper or in a court under disclosure. Yeah, And yeah. then people, the penny would drop, people would get it. Unless it was privilege, which was correspondence between you and your company's lawyer. That was privileged. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to ask answer a different question you haven't asked yet. But looking at it from the other point of view... Um, did you say it was Lady Hallett? Is that yes, her name? Lady Hallett. Yeah, yes. I, I think she's she's got to be careful here because uh, you, did you say the thing would take five, four or five years to 
opine. Well, 2027, so yeah, it was a four years, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of wood for the trees here. I think I think there is a middle ground where I'm, I, I think you do have to allow officials, politicians to say, you know, we'll filter this out because this is just noise. Otherwise, uh, I'm sure it's not just her, but her team who are looking at this, they'd just be deluge. And there must be a more efficient way of looking at the business of government other than WhatsApp messages. And to some extent, does it matter? So you've got minutes of meetings. Cabinet meetings are all minuted. They have to be. You've got witness statements. You've got what we could see with our own eyes. And I'd say there's enough there to triage uh, opinions. Now, it, you could argue that actually the inquiry is going too far in trying to sort of hammer someone for an ill-advised comment on a WhatsApp group. So you wonder if they've got the wrong objectives. So that's looking at it from the other angle, which I may guess, have been question seven on your list. But <laughs> I'll I guess, offer it up now. I guess you, you, could, you could take that line, but I, I guess the, the issue surely should be, and I understand what you're saying about um, uh, the expense and the... The number of people it needs to employ, but then this is a, a, a really one the money. Off in a hun- it's the time. It's ridiculous. Well, it's a one off in a hundred years, hundred year event that's taken a hundred thousand people's lives. I mean, you'd think that 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 money should be no object to get to the bottom of it. I wasn't talking about the money. It's the time. Well, oh, the, the time. All the more reason. Yeah. All the more yeah. reason to get the thing done more quickly. But I wouldn't. I would in the the history of this particular event. I'm not sure that you can trust ministers to. And for that matter, to to release the information that you say, the information that's relevant. But that's the whole point, I guess, that she's not putting anything into the public domain, but she's going to determine, uh, and that's the way these inquiries have run in the past, Mm. she'll determine what's relevant. And I think the other problem with that is that, um, and it is a lesson to be learned for the future in respect of both the use of WhatsApp, but also the fact that there's a blurring now going on between what's personal and what's private. These these ministers shouldn't be discussing government business on private WhatsApp platforms, and they I shouldn't agree be. With that. Yeah, and they shouldn't be discussing personal business on on business WhatsApp y- platforms. Y- y- yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just think that's that's one of the one of the issues, and of course they've they've cooked their own goose really because if there are things on there that are embarrassing to them in respect of. Um, <laughs> Uh, what what they've said, then then, although I don't think that would necessarily get out unless it's, I I think we'll time will tell, but I, I I'm speculating that there are things on there that Boris Johnson is very pleased might well get out into the public domain, um, and you can make well, your own judgments as to what they might be possibly, but. I'd, I'd sort of take, um, I, I've, uh, as, as you know, my uh, other half is uh, Swedish and mm. I've kept an eye on Sweden's inquiry, uh, not least because um, they took an entirely different approach to uh, most of the rest of Europe. Um, and their inquiry is already reported, done and dusted, reported. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, uh, OK, they're a smaller country, but proportionately it must be the same amount of work. Um, so I, I just think um, we've made a mountain out of a molehill and I think we could have done this an awful lot tighter and an awful lot quicker. Now, I'm not sure who's to blame in all that, mm. but obviously it pays to for a number of people for it to be drawn out and dragged out. But I think we could, between you and me, we could probably take a stab at the top three things that if this was to happen again, things we would do differently... Uh, and I, I'd, I'd say to the inquiry, come on, up the pace, reduce the scope um, and and bang heads together. It really shouldn't have to be referred to judicial review. No, um, well, that's that's government, yeah. isn't it, being being silly, I think. Yeah, maybe. But the other side of the argument is maybe Lady Hallett could have been a little bit more reasonable. And, um, See, I, I don't, I, I'm, I don't know. If you're, if, you're a, know. if you're a member of a family who's lost somebody in this particular event, and you you'd want the whole the coals dragged over and and get right to the bottom of everything, I don't think you'd be happy with a, a ten. You know, not, I'm 
being flippant here, but uh, a bargain bucket inquiry that's over in about three months and all over well, and done with. I think you, you I mean, they're talking about um, exploring with members of all the families who've lost people um, and, and interviewing them. So they're going into it in some detail. And I think they've every. Well, that's too much. Uh, no. What do you mean? 100,000 families? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. They did that with the. Um, with the the uh, the what was the fire in London? They had the families interviewed there. The um, the tower, Grenfell. Grenfell Tower. Yeah, yeah, but it was far fewer. I mean, yeah, it was you far can't fewer. Inter- you can't interview a hundred thousand. Why shouldn't you have? If you've lost one of your loved ones, why shouldn't you have your say in an inquiry? I don't. I don't. You know. I don't. I think if it needs to be done, well, it I needs just disagree. To be done. I, th- I think you've got to. Uh, well, it'll take another. It'll take longer than one. It'll take ten years. Well, I, the- I, I think we've got to. You should have a scope with any piece of work, whether it's an inquiry or anything. You've got to have a scope. You should stick to it. You should get representation. Of course, you shouldn't deny anyone the opportunity to feed into that. Well, you will if you of- if you start saying you can't come because we're only interviewing a thousand as opposed. We well, don't have to 000. interview them, do you? There's other ways of doing it. I I just disagree. I think that's. We'll, we'll, we, we just will not be able to see the wood for the trees. I, I disagree on that. I think that we will. I think, oh, it'll, good. Be quite, I think it'll be quite <laughs> clear. I think she's a lady who knows what she's doing. She's far more qualified in these things than those people who've appointed her. She knows, she's, she's, as I say, she's been involved in... Um, uh, yeah, I don't deny before. her. But but doesn't mean that she, you know, she won't have been involved with... Um, uh, an inquiry into a pandemic of before no, so nobody um, will will they that so. would be my advice is to look have a look at your scope um see if you can reach a compromise on this particular issue that's going to judicial review and what more do you really think you'll learn other than some of the language and some of the behaviors see, the are ne- a little the bit ne- rich yeah the need the needs to be people need to feel as though there's been a proper inquiry if you don't go into the detail there'll be the accusation that it's a whitewash and quite rightly maybe on occasion if the government are going to decide we'll send them this but this might be embarrassing so we won't send them this we'll send them that but we're not going to send them this because this implicates us and so that makes the whole thing a complete farce people need to have confidence that she is in control she will say what she wants and everybody needs to comply you wouldn't if you were involved in a uh, in a, a court case a murder case and what have you you wouldn't be able to deny people oh no oh, i don't think i don't think we're going to let the court see that and this is what this is it's a court effectively so i i, I don't agree at all i think that they need to go into it in some depth and uh, and get to the bottom of things rather well let's than hope the next pandemic doesn't arrive in the next year because by, by your <laughs> version we'll be we'll be we'll be all up the swanny won't we no. the well, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, the, the next. Hopefully, the next pandemic won't arrive in the next year. But oh if, well, we don't know that though. You said it's, well, it could be due any minute now. You said so. So, what happens if we wrap it up with all in six months and we don't get the conclusions because we haven't adjusted? Clearly, that the would be unsatisfactory. Yeah. All I'm getting at is, yeah. I, I just think that, you know, notwithstanding this lady's credentials, I just wonder whether we're trying to boil the ocean here. Boil the ocean. Yeah. So, <laughs> where's that bite come off, from? Bite off, bite off too much, then you can chew. Uh, well, we shall see. I, I'm no doubt over there. Hopefully, Boris Johnson will, will be able to get the Secret Service in to get this secret squirrel phone sorted out. Well, if he can't, next. maybe you and I can show him how to switch it on. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think so, yeah. It, um, we shall see. That, that's um, yet to come in the next week, but I'm sure we'll be talking about this again. Um, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll presumably that the um, the inquiry won't be over by next week, so we'll catch up on it. Um, no, you better go and get your next jab, Sean. <laughs> In case you missed it, Sean, um, I was quite intrigued with a claim coming out of the Labour camp today. Mm. Uh, they're claiming it will cut student loan repayments without spending any money without increasing government borrowing. So I've I've had a look at this because you know that old saying that if it sounds too good to be true, <laughs> it probably is. Uh, and uh, I shall declare an interest. My three lads have all been through uni and they're all now 
um, working, which is great. Uh, and two of them are paying back student loans. And it's very painful because on top of national insurance, on top of income tax, on top of what they now have to contribute on their pensions, they're having to pay 9% um, mm. of their salary into um, student loan repayment. And, you know, you could argue, well, they've had the benefit and blah, 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 which they have. But what that means is uh, through every pound they earn, about half of it is going in some sort of deduction. So a little bit of background. At present, depending on which student loan scheme that students are on, and there's been quite a few over the last 10 or so years, students pay when their income exceeds between £22,000 and £27,000 per annum. So it's not a huge figure. So you don't pay anything up to that. The majority of students are at the 27k limit. So maybe your first proper graduate job, you wouldn't be paying the student loan. But once you go above that threshold, you pay 9% on anything above it. Mm. So I've done it, for instance. So in round figures, if you earn, say, £35,000 a year, and maybe you do that after a couple of years in a in a post-grad situation, and... Um, you're at the £27,000 limit, then you'd pay about £60 per month out of your wages on your student loan. Um, so that's that's quite a lot, I think. Uh, mm. Now, the claim um, is that a future Labour government could reduce the monthly payment for every single graduate quote. That's what I saw. Uh without increasing government borrowing. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, how does that work? Because it's difficult to see as the the amount of student loans on the country's balance sheet mm. right now, because it has to be on our balance sheet, is £182 billion. Pounds. Okay? Mm. And roughly each year we add another £20 billion as new students... Um, go on to sort of take their loans so i'm sitting there thinking right so if we're going to reduce the amount that graduates pay no details to how much and who but let's assume that's true and interest is still accruing at currently high rates on this how on earth is the government going to finance that so i think it's all a bit odd and i go i guess it's uh a little bit of a sop towards those who will remember Starmer's pledge about dropping or scrapping student loans, student loans or, or mm. fees, university fees altogether. Yeah. Um, but um, there's a little bit of snake oil stuff going on here. I don't believe it. I don't know how it could be done. Well, I mean, if you're not if mm. you're not going to raise the money to be able to do this by raising taxation, yes, yes. Um, there are only a few ways of, of doing it. I mean, it depends how he put it. If he said that it will reduce the monthly payments... Yes. I can see that maybe he's looking at stretching the term over which the debt's repaid. That would bring down monthly payments, wouldn't it? Does it say how much or... Um, well, no, it doesn't. It, it just says reduce the monthly payments mm. of every student. Well, the, the, the way that student loans work, and, I, and, and I, I might get the year wrong, but I think if you haven't paid it back by year 55, it's written off anyway. Mm. So I'm not sure that extending the term really helps, um, but may, maybe there's a technicality in there, maybe. We could bring um, the, I, I guess it wouldn't bring as much in, but you could lower the interest rate. And It's a private company, isn't it, that runs these student it's, loans? I think a private company operates it, but the loan is on mm. the balance sheet. So um, technically, the, the government could reduce the, the rate charge to students. Um, yes. Uh, and they could... Uh, I, I don't know how you'd... Um, You'd have to compensate, presumably, in some other fashion in in terms of getting that extra money back somewhere else. Well, uh, I guess well. the options... I mean, the article said it wouldn't spend an extra penny and wouldn't increase government borrowing. So the only way, therefore, that you could... It didn't say they wouldn't increase taxes to pay for it. Mm. Uh, so that's one way, increase taxes. Unlikely, because I think we're taxed enough as it is. Uh, the other thing you could do is obviously take it from another department. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You, you and could, the other thing you could do, maybe you're right, maybe some sort of jiggery pokery about how long in the government's books the loan's based on. Yeah, 
how many years? Maybe take the... Um, I mean, there's been lots of talk about um, assessing whether the courses that people go on are value for money and whether we ought to have such a broad-based further education system as as we do now. Well, Maybe that's an option. Money saved in that regard could be... I, I, I would support that. You know, it's a bit... Uh, you know, um, uh, poacher tongue gamekeeper, but but you know, having seen how much class time there is, mm. and how some of these degrees seem to be dragged out, mm. uh, you do question the value of them. But of course, if you start fiddling about with that, university cities such as our own Bristol mm. near us, mm. uh, I'd. I, I was talking to one of the finance guys at Bristol University today and, you know, he was saying that they employ 5,000 people. Mm. And you imagine... The, so there's no Not free lunch effects. here. No, so, no. so I'm afraid I've come to this one with a little bit of... Mm, are they desperately trying to find um, something to throw at the students who will be disillusioned by the fact they're not going to have their loans written off? I think it's shenanigans, as you, as shenanigans, you said. Yeah. I think there are things going on behind. The other thing that struck me the other day, it's slightly off kilter, but in yeah, relation yeah. to universities, is um, somebody made the very valid point that um, there's a lot of talk uh, on the on the the right of the Conservative Party about um, how many people now go to university and how many people um, uh, wouldn't in the past and the great increase in numbers since Tony Blair who were going to university. Yeah. But nobody nobody up to date has really taken into consideration that what were polytechnics are now universities. And these polytechnics are the self-same educational places that are teaching our plumbers and our tradesmen and our, our electricians and all those people that we say we've got this huge shortage of now that we've um, cut ourselves off from the supply of Eastern European tradesmen. So um, I, I think there's, it's a difficult argument, isn't it, that we should be, that we should be cutting down, um, as you quite rightly said, both in terms of income for these universities, but also we need to look a lot more closely at what what it is that we're we're saying is a is a, a an academic profession which i mm. think needs particularly to be subsidized by the state that won't necessarily be subsidized elsewhere and those which are hands-on practical professions which maybe we need to look to business and those people who are going to employ them to put more money into that 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 area but I don't think that answers your question as to how they're going to how they're going to. No, create, I shall look you know. forward to the smoke and mirrors. We'll keep an eye on that one because uh, yeah. I'm not going to let them get away with that. And no. the the other thing that you might have missed, um, and, and I come back to it because uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times on this pod. Surprise, surprise! At the eleventh hour, <laughs> still literally. A black. No? <laughs> well, yes, yes. Uh, God rest her soul and all that. But surprise, surprise! At literally at the eleventh hour, eleven p.m. last night. The U.S. Senate agreed to pass the contentious bill to raise government debt ceiling uh, above the 31.4 trillion. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, it would have been financial Armageddon. Because uh, mm. uh, literally, uh, if if it hadn't, uh, technically, uh, U.S. would have defaulted on its debt. Mm. And as we discussed before, all sorts of organisations and countries, because the dollar is the reserve currency, um, have uh, some form of US uh, Treasury debt. Yeah. Uh, so thank goodness that didn't happen. But I thought, well, well, 31.4 trillion, that sounds like a big number. So I thought, well, how many digits uh, would it take to write that down? So go on then. How many digits do you think 31 trillion would be represented by? <laughs> so like oh a thousand is four. Yeah, a thousand is yeah, four. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many? You don't have to be right, Sean. Don't no. worry. Um, Forty. Not quite that many. It's fourteen uh, oh. because it's it's thirty-one thousand billion. Right. But but I was figuring that if you were writing it down on a notebook, you'd need to turn the page. By the mm. time you, it's a huge number. By way of comparison, in nineteen eighty. Um, their um, debt was 0 0.93 trillion, not even 1 trillion. Cool. And 10 years ago, it was half of it, 16.7 trillion. So 
there's there's a lot of borrowing going on. It's the seventy eighth increase since nineteen sixty. Good year, nineteen sixty. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. When we were born. Vintage. Vintage. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and in case you think it's those, you know, on the left spending all this money, actually. 49 times increased by Republicans and 29 by Democrats. Yes, and I read a piece on this yesterday, funnily mm. enough, that said that the that the Democrats had taken a conscious decision this time around because they keep entering government when the Republicans have overspent and having to sort out the deficit mess that they thought that they'd spend it themselves this time and reverse the... Uh, so the boot is on the other foot that when the Republicans get in, they've got... Them. But it does beg the question, doesn't it? The, yeah. the continuing increase in yes. this deficit. Yes. And the continuing... Because we've, we've been to this cliff edge on quite a few occasions over the last decade. It seems to be that they're... The different party and the, the the visceral hatred between the Democrats and the Republicans now. There's no there's no um, uh, cross cross aisle cooperation as they call it in the states. It, it does make you wonder at what point are they either going to get this down or start getting it down, or are we going to reach a point where somebody does effectively press the economic Armageddon button? And we, we end up, you know, that the relations get so bad that we, um, that the rest of the world has to suffer. Or, or, uh, or could it be that they suffer the, um, the, the embarrassment, indignation, the crisis that we suffered as a country where our debt carried the so-called moron premium? We saw that only six months ago mm. uh, with the Kwarteng budget. Um where suddenly they lose their AAA rating at the moment. Uh, but it was actually being questioned um, by yeah. Fitch, the rating agency. And suddenly that increases the cost of their borrowing by 1%, which increases mortgages. And, and, and actually, yeah. that could there has to be a point where investors say, hang on a minute, this doesn't mm. make sense. And as I said, it's only because they're the reserve currency of the world, they get yeah. away with it. Yeah. Uh, but they do get away with it. And they're, on average, their annual budget deficit is about one trillion. So it's only going to increase, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's a bit like if you've got an overdraft at the bank and you continue to spend more than you're earning, it's just going to go up and up and up and up. But, so, but there has to be a reckoning at some point, doesn't it? It just can't go on forever and ever. Can it really? No, but, but I thought, you know, given it's Friday, you'd want to know that you don't need to take all your money out of the bank <laughs> and put it under the bed because for now, financial Armageddon has been avoided. Mm -hmm. I, well, I was going to end today with um, a story from Colonel Tucker Cinco Hamilton. Have you heard of him? <laughs> no, but I'm about to. <laughs> Well, everybody's talking about AI at the moment, aren't they? That seems to be the thing that uh, is... Talking about Armageddon, that's the thing that's leading us to Armageddon, where the Terminator takes over the world and we, <laughs> we end up on the end of... Well, it would, it would appear that something of a, of a similar nature has already happened. Um, and, and this gentleman, Colonel Tucker Cinco Hamilton, uh, had details of it in, on his um, blog post... Um, and he was he was been telling everybody about an, an AI bearing in mind it's a simulation, but an AI simulation with regard to drones. Uh, he, he, the US Air Force, suffice to say, has denied this, but there was a simulation in which a drone decided to kill its operator, right, to prevent it from interfering with its efforts to achieve its mission. Um, and its its mission, it would appear, was to kill all this particular target and its operator obviously told it to kill this particular target but then the operator made the mistake of suggesting that it didn't kill it directly that it go around the houses to do so and this particular drone took um, took umbrage to this and decided that its operator was trying to prevent it from accomplishing the task that had been set um, and initially came back to um, to wipe out its operator. Right. Because its operator was against the original. When it was told um, that it that it shouldn't kill the don't don't kill the operator. It was, the instructions were don't kill the operator. It decided then because um, it still had this ultimate task of hitting its target that it would blow up the communications tower. <laughs> so that, 
<laughs> so the, the, oper <laughs> the operator couldn't give it any more instructions that would prevent it getting on with killing its target. Um, and I was going to do a deep South American drawl and, right. and an impersonation of uh, of this guy, but I think I'll um, I think I'll save that for another time. But this was uh, this was revealed in in at a, at a summit in May recently in um, in London. Amer as I say, the American uh, Air Force are denying it, but it's quite a frightening thing, isn't it? Quite a, yeah. a quite a, a sobering thought that once you've put an instruction into a piece of machinery, that that it it over it would appear to have overridden any further instructions yeah. that you then try and give it. Um, it it does make you worry that well there are supposedly certain munitions that are being used in Ukraine that are uh, AI to a degree, but it you know with with Vlad you you would hope that he hasn't got AI controlling his um, his nuclear arsenal or anything along those lines it'd be very worrying but, uh, well it, it is it is I guess you sort of think well not necessarily AI but what other things around about us could turn on us I think of driverless <laughs> cars that worries me mm. I think of my um, Echo Dot I do wonder what he's up to what he's, what she's he's up doing to. Yeah. is it she or he or is it a, I, I don't know it no. depends, but I do Feeding wonder... back to uh, Amazon headquarters. Well, yeah. apparently, wasn't it? They're listening to our conversations. I mean, my goodness, drivel we come out with. Mm. They want to listen to that. But uh, you do wonder, don't you, about this sort of... Uh, this, this this other sector that's around and about us and, mm. and what, what could possibly all go pop. I quite um, like the idea of driverless cars, though, if I'm honest. Yeah. I was, uh, you, you've probably seen over the last few days, we've been, both of us have been invited down to a shindig in in Brighton, from what I can tell from yes. one of that. One yeah, of I saw friends. the... Uh, yeah. And and if I'm perfectly honest, I, I'm, I'm, it's a long way to go for a, a couple of jars, so I'm probably going to pass on this particular yeah, occasion. Yeah. But then if I, if I th could just say to the car, take me to Brighton and then have a a few drinks and a meal and then get back in the car and wind the seat down and say put on some classical music and take me home yes and next thing i know i'm at home. that might make it a bit more of an attractive proposition it might do as long as when you say the next thing you know you're in Edinburgh <laughs> <laughs> or in Virginia take me home take me home <laughs> we'll end with some music <laughs> yes not that <laughs> well on that note um, I wish you a good weekend and sorry you're going to miss out on a couple of jars no I'll make up for it I'll probably visit one of the local hostelries up here uh, Tom man Tom man I'll see you next week will do well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed Riff Raff News. Please leave some comments on the app or on our Facebook page. And uh, please subscribe and then episodes will drop automatically into your podcast feed. <laughs>